When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast, the podcast that was a wee bit sad yesterday when it got to air and found out its tickets were in the stand. This week on Heart and Hand, hear how a podcast was very happy when it found out its tickets were in the stand after the blizzard of air began. Welcome to Art and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name's David Edgar, I'm your host, and I'm joined this week by Mr Stephen Smith. Good afternoon, David, how are you? I am grand, my friend. How's life in sunny Englandshire? Just recovering from a bout of the flu that put me in my back for a week, but uh, I'm, I'm still alive and I'm considerably warmer than most of the inhabitants of Scotland, so I'm very grateful for that too. Actual or man flu? Aye, it was, aye, it was terrible. Nobody's ever had pain like it. I suppose women in childbirth would be able to feel about 40% of what it was for me to have flu. Yeah, that was about that. Well, actually, just before we go into the match then, speaking um, as a, a social justice warrior, I think it's fair to call you Stephen. Um, yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're, I'm, I'm lefty. You're, you're kind of out towards the left of me, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, at the weekend, we saw an innovation during, I think, Sky's coverage, where we saw that two of their panellists were, in fact, ladies. And that has caused a bit of debate with some people saying that, of course, why not? Other people saying, well, at the same time, although they both play football, it's a completely different level and in much the same way that you wouldn't get a third division footballer commentating on a Premier League game. What's your thoughts on ladies uh, at the football? Well, the very first Rangers game that I went to, David, was when I was in utero. My mother took me to a Cup Winners' Cup game in 1962 before I was born. Rangers played Seville. And my mother knew more about football than half the men who describe themselves as football fans. She was a huge fan of Jim Baxter and is one of the reasons why I'm a Blue Nose. So that that was my formative experience. My mother and father were both Rangers fans growing up. It wasn't you know, it wasn't an either or. Women are fifty percent of the population and if we're going to take the basis that well you've never played football at a senior level, well if it's only going to be that people who've played a sport at a senior level can commentate, then two thirds of our Commentaria are going to be out of a job and uh, most of the MPs in the House of Commons wouldn't be able to pass legislation on things like birth control, on safe sex and a whole load of other things that are due to, due to affect women's health. You can't exclude 50% of the population from uh, from football on the basis that, well, you know, a few daft lasses don't know what they're talking about because that's not true. And I was listening to a commentator on Sky Sports News yesterday and she was talking, uh, she was kind of doing the analysis of the Huddersfield Bournemouth game and it was excellent. She was really coherent and clever and said, you know, said everything I would have expected, you know, a man or whatever gender to say, so it really doesn't matter to me. Well, I agree totally, except it's birds and it's Fitber. Well, it's, it's no different, I guess, from the few rather odd people who would uh, who would commentate on things like the Great British Bake Off, you know, it's a, or, or Strictly Come Dancing, where it's predominantly or the larger part of that population are women and men commentate on it as well. Not my cup of tea. Not interested in either of those things. But I don't. It affects me not at all if men are interested and want to watch those programmes. I literally don't care. And there's nothing to say that because they are men that they don't have something to add to either of those conversations. So no, you're absolutely you're absolutely right, Stephen. But I just I just grew up in a, a traditional area where, you know, I, I just can't help but feel that when it comes to women kind of getting in on football, that I don't interfere with their hobbies like knitting or menstruating or things like that. So I don't see why yeah. they should they should be in my world, frankly. 
Okay, okay, that's that's uh, that's a very interesting viewpoint, David. I respect it, even if I totally disagree with it. You carry on. No, I'm you, sure you're, uh, you you know you know fine well I don't believe that. I'm quite happy for women to be on to be covering yeah. football matches so long as they they've got nice tits or legs and show a bit of cleavage. I think that's a, How many of your uh, heart and hand listeners do you think are female? David? I think quite a few, yes, and that's why they know I'm only joking. And uh, we we actually this week on the Heart and Hand Patreon site started a new show about the Rangers ladies team. So uh, no, no, we're very much all about the equality. And uh, genuinely, no, it, it, it doesn't bother me. I do like to crack a sexist joke here or there. I admit that, and that's why. I am a bit of a dinosaur, but we've got younger bears coming through on the platform that that aren't, <laughs> and uh, they're the guys who are doing it. But I admit that, that while I, I am known to wind up my friends, in fact, uh, a friend of mine, Gail, I was winding up about the, the lady commentators thing, and uh, she actually said after about a minute, you're winding me up, stop it, I can't believe I fell for that. And that was exactly the reason. But yeah, of course, I mean, look, Jimmy Redknapp is not a high-level pundit because of his intellect. It's because he looks like he does. And it's not say, well, men aren't interested in how he looks, but it's because to men he looks cool and to birds he's a bit of eye candy. If Jamie Redknapp looked like, I don't know, me, he wouldn't be on the telly as often. <laughs> no, he's not there for his insightful analysis. And just just thinking about it, David, you, you and I sat on the board of Rangers Supporters Trust, and is there a bigger blue nose out there than Joanne Percival? No. Uh, what a... I think of the great work that Christine Somerville and Alison McLeod did when they were on the board as well. You know, it's um, we're a family. The Rangers family is not, you know, not not a, a narrow body of people. We're a broad church, uh, and we need to welcome everybody. Hundred percent correct. And, and yesterday, my tickets, in fact, were secured for me for the United game. Nice segue. Um, bye. Uh, someone I'm pretty sure is a woman so uh, no absolutely and uh, as you say uh, if it stops Chris Sutton getting on the telly then fuck they can have women they can have parrots they can have dogs they can have amoeba that haven't learned to communicate yet I don't care it will be better so no uh, no complaints from this bear now on to the match itself Rangers went to Somerset Park um, a traditional ground Stephen I heard it continually be referred to a traditional ground but I must admit that as soon as the draw is made, I was like, no, I've, I've got to go there. I mean, it, yes, yeah, Somerset Park is a shithole, right? It is, but it is a, it's a cracking old school shithole. And there is something very evocative about it. It, it looked, uh, it was a playing surface, David, that I would have hated to play on yesterday because it actually looked quite good at first inspection. Well, and then it, it cut up very, very quickly well, and the ball was bobbling out. Stephen, I will defend Air United a wee bit there, buddy, because they do normally have a really good pitch, but Ayrshire, where I live, has been battered the last two weeks by snow, hail, rain pretty constantly. And I, I, I honestly don't think... You know, there are some places where the pitch is like a tatty field and you just think, how is this happening? But I'm going to cut air about a slide. I really don't know what, what they could have done, you know, short of having covers or whatever that a club of their size can't afford. Oh, no. I, I, no blame. I know it's not it's not like a cricket match when you're looking for home, you know, effectively home field advantage, but a pitch that plays better to your, uh, to your team than, than the opponent. You know, and like I said... Uh, Weather conditions have been significantly worse north of Carlisle than they have been south. I can testify to that personally. So, aye. I mean, I think considering the surface, it turned into a much better game in the second half. Um, and I was obviously pleased with the result. But um, I guess we're going to talk about that now, are we? Yes, well, as I alluded to at the start, um, we get into the stadium. Myself, I was there with uh, fellow Podder Hoggy. And we get into the stadium and I'm like the first five minutes looking across at the Bears because it's all open at as, as um You can't really see because the TV cameras on that side, but the, the terrace where the TV cameras are for those who watch on the TV, that is all open. It's all old-fashioned raised um, tiered terracing. It's great. Uh, the last couple of times we were down at air, that's where I was. But uh, I was in the stand and I was kind of, you know, I wish I was over there and the Bears were doing the bouncing, it was great. Then it just, the heavens opened and, you know, it, to the point at half time the referee did do a pitch inspection. 
And there was genuine concern that, no, this isn't going to go on. Thankfully, of course, it did. Although, early on, I wasn't really thinking that. Rangers started sluggishly again, um, feeling their way into a match. And again, were punished. Although, this time, it wasn't due to anything the opposition did particularly well. Although, Air did put two up front impresses. But David Bates with a pass back, which at the game and in the post-match pod, I, I thought maybe it was a bit of a risky pass back. Having watched it back, it absolutely wasn't. Um, I like Wes I like Wes a great deal and we're going to talk about him here um, but it's a dreadful mistake it happens and it happened to him he takes a bad touch and then he never can get back in control and then he actually almost clears the ball into the Air United forward who would be the lost neck monster James Forrest's uh, brother of course uh, and it just rebounds off him into the net as close to an own goal as you can score Stephen without actually getting your name on the sheet no, agreed, and it's a bad mistake. And, and my expectation of uh, West Fotheringham, knowing the knowing the player he is, is that that will be the last of those mistakes because he will make sure that that ball's cleared, and that we don't end up in a situation where you know we're doing the kind of Claudio Bravo at, uh, at Manchester City thing, where he's you know invited to play the ball out from the back as part of, you know effectively the eleventh man rather than the goalkeeper. So I don't, I, you know, fair play. You know, at the end of the day, it hasn't cost us. It's given air, it's made the tie interesting, given air a little kind of glimmer of hope. But at the end of the day, you know, it's not a mistake. I expect him to repeat, and I expect us to be a wee bit more diligent and passing the ball because he's actually normally, David, to be fair, he wears is, is decent with the ball at his feet and doesn't tend to make those kind of mistakes. He's not a bomb scare, so you know, I'm just going to chalk that down as a one-off and move on. Well. That is kind of what annoyed me about it, that there are people in our support who say, oh, you know, I'm always worried when he's got a ball at his feet. And my rejoinder has always been, well, he's never actually cost us a goal with that. You, your worry is misplaced. And now I can't. Uh, and so when I'm defending them, I know that people who, ha, for some reason, and I don't fully understand, but for some reason have concerns about his kicking, which I'm like you, I think, has never cost us up to this, um, are now going to hold this against them. But there's nothing you can do about that. If, if anything, that goal, Stephen, to me was emblematic of the opening 20 minutes where Rangers wanted an extra touch and that's what Wes had done and that's what caused caused the issue. And this Rangers side, as I think they demonstrated in the second half, on a terrible pitch in terrible conditions, when they just start knocking the ball about with a bit of confidence, a bit of zip and first time and moving off the ball and, and for want of a... A more technical term, I'm sure some of our, our, our more tactically minded fans will have a better term for it than I have, but little giving goes, we're a good side. See when we're doing the take an extra touch, turn inside, we struggle badly and even a defence like Ayers can look solid against us, but that did not last and from the 20th minute, Rangers are making chance after chance after chance and in fact, of course, we, we hit the bar from Josh Windass and Alfredo Morelos has missed... I think a chance it's fair to say might be termed guilt-edged yes uh, and again if you watch the ball back David if you watch that, that back it bobbles really really badly just before he gets it and I think every striker I think gets an opportunity like that where it's an absolute shoe and he definitely score oh dear the ball's bobbled up and hit them and unfortunately uh, for Alfredo that's, that's looked much much worse than it was but again, I'm I'm not going to be too critical because he's you know he's notched a couple of times, put in a decent performance and he hasn't let it affect him. And that's the most important thing is is about learning from a mistake, moving on. And he just shrugged his shoulders and cracked on. So I can't ask for any more than that. No, a few seconds later, Sean Goss, who was my man in the match, and we'll talk about. Um separately but Sean Goss wonderful shot from the edge of the box hits the ball now I must admit Stephen even in that second because from where we are we can't see Morelos's miss has taken a bobble uh, we assume it has we hope it has um, but you're sitting there and we've hit the bar we've missed from literally a yard under the goal and we've then just watched a shot come back off the bar and even in the split second that it's coming off the bar I'm thinking this is not our day this is Hamilton 87 all over again we just can't score uh, and then Alfredo just steps up onto the ball, which is travelling at some speed, and fucking leathers it into the top corner with the outside of the boot. What a finish. He's, um, it's a very decent thing, and I think in the context of the game and what had just happened immediately before, I think that made it more impressive. Uh, and it settled the nerves, you know, because you think, right, OK, we've gifted a goal, we've got it back, 
the game's going to play on now and it's not going to be one of these you know, 90 minute sieges where they've got 11 men behind the ball and just blistering it about and they can do everything but score so that was that, that's a settler that, and, and it came at a good time I think we needed definitely to do that in the last 20-25 minutes and a half just to settle the nerves because that is still I was having a look at that David that's still a fairly inexperienced team in terms of the players playing with each other mm. most of those most of those players, I'd say a third of them, are only there, uh, are only Ibrox in the last three and a half, four weeks. So, you know, that's a team still getting to getting to know itself. That's the first time Morelos and Cummings has been played as a partnership. So there was a whole, you know, there's a whole load of unanswered questions at that point, and you're you're just worried in case we did a kind of warbit and wobble and maybe drop uh, dropped uh, a, a fixture or a tie completely unnecessarily. When you know, but it was it was nice to just get into half-time looking comfortable uh, and you knew a better performance was coming as well Certainly did, as I say, at that point uh, things got so bad that I was expecting to see wildlings coming from the north um, <laughs> at this point it really was that that sort of epic and Rangers though, with a great performance and as someone in the stand said to me, he said, I don't care, this is against Air United, he says, I'm watching the famous absolutely batter somebody here playing great football and it hasn't happened as often recently as it should and I'm enjoying it and I thought, you know what, that's exactly how I feel as well because the second half we played some really good stuff, put the foot in the throat of a team and didn't let up. We get the goal which at the time I thought was a good finish but um, I had a slightly... Uh, restricted view of it so I sort of see Jason Cummings going towards the ball and then I see him sort of deflect it into the net and I thought oh that's a good finish but then having watched it back Stephen what a fucking finish that is from Jason Cummings that's yeah, top draw absolutely every credit to him David you know and he, he battled really hard and he wasn't you know he wasn't getting as much joy I don't think we were we were giving him enough ball in front of him to really trouble trouble the air defence as, as much as we ought to have done and I think that team's still getting used to the configuration we're playing two people up front because if Morelos is the pivot and, and the, the fulcrum of that team, then it's everybody knows what you do. Get the ball up to him and go and support. Whereas, you know, we come and you're thinking, well, am I going to play? Runs in, are they going to make? And I know Murphy said that there, was, there were times when Morelos and Cummins were making the same run and that will, that will develop and that will change. If they get the opportunity to play together, I reckon that that, that partnership has to improve. They're, they're very decent players and they can learn to complement each other. But yeah, cracking finish, David. It's, it's really nice. I'm, and he's delighted. I'm delighted for the boy because he's, you know, he's had his critics and he's, um, you know, had a hard time at Nottingham, but it doesn't look like he's let it affect his confidence. No, no, I don't think he's short of that. And what interests me about Jason Cummins is sometimes you can't explain it and you can't force it. Sometimes there's a bond between a support and a player. And it's hard to, to quantify why because, you know, like someone like Jamie Murphy, all the Rangers fans really like him, he's a Rangers fan, but it, it's still not the same. There's just something, especially with, I would say, Bears kind of 30 and under, and obviously the travel and support contains a lot of those guys, and they adore him. I mean, they absolutely love Jason Cummings, and... I, I think it's mutual and, and just sometimes there's a symbiotic relationship between them that like I say you can't you can't force it just has to either organically evolve or it, or it arrives and um, they, they, you can see it you can absolutely see the bond he has with the guys in the stand and that they have with him well there's a, I'll, I'll, let me give you a, a contrast in that regard David Josh, Josh Windass has scored I think 12 goals so far and he's you know he's, he's scored a good few in recent games and is, is contributing I think more than most I know you you're quite an admirer of him but I think more than most of us kind of reasonably expected but he is not held in remotely the same regard as Jason Cummins is uh, and has done arguably far more for the team this season well not arguably he has Oh well, he has. You're right. Absolutely, uh, he, he has. But Cummins is Cummins is loved because he's Gallus, because he's you know he's not a blue nose. It's not you know don't come from a Rangers family any of that you know and put us to the sword plenty of times when he's playing for Hibernian as well, uh, which is another reason that makes us really quite curious because he he stuck it to us on a regular basis. But then you know he's, he's come in and he's shown the command. That's all. At the end of the day, David, that's what, that's what all Rangers fans want. It doesn't matter if you've got the kind of blue nose heritage. Jamie Murphy or Andy Halliday or players like that have, or if you're a, you know, a George Alberts or Reno Gattuso or whoever it might be, 
If you come in there and you give 100% when you've got that blue jersey on, that, the way you and I would do if we had that opportunity, that's all Rangers fans are going to ask for. Give everything you have. Don't leave anything in the dressing room. Take it all out in the pitch and give it and give it what you know everything you have. And that will that will make, you'll be a legend at Ibrox. People love that kind of endeavour and effort and love for the football club. Like, and you know that that's what we're looking for. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And speaking of the aforementioned Josh Windass, um, after more good work on the left by Declan John, who's had a good game, um, the ball breaks to him in the box and he finishes with the confidence of a man who's in a good scoring run uh, to go 3-1. Game's dead at that point. You can uh, hear as I watched the game, I watched the highlights last night and I've watched the game back this morning, when you hear the, the commentators on both Sky and the BBC basically imploring the referee to call it off. At that point, you realise that everyone knows the tie is done. As as honestly, at that point, I, and it, that's what made me laugh is it was three one, and on the highlights and on um, and on Sky's full coverage, which I watched this morning, um, both commentators make reference to um, perhaps the referee will be looking at an abandonment, and you're like, yeah, I doubt that you'd be calling for that if it was still one 0 to air, but uh, Rangers show that you can still play good football in this with a lovely, probably the best team goal of the day. Great move that starts on the left-hand side. Alfredo Morelos gets the ball, streaks on, goes into the box, plays a 1-2 with Sean Goss and is there for the tap-in in the box. Lovely goal. And funnily enough, the type Alex had mentioned the other week that we don't seem to see as much as we used to with, with Rangers when we used to be very good at that. And it, it was great to see. 5-1 comes, header from, uh, from Josh Windass after another terrific ball from Sean Goss and then 6-1 and probably the most romantic goal of the day Jamie Murphy gets the ball streaks off in a run great finish early finish low into the bottom corner across the goalkeeper uh, to round it off and boy was he happy he was over the moon Stevie <laughs> I, uh, I sent you a text yesterday saying that that you know capped a decent performance by him and that's, that's the best I think he's played since he came and it's it's a shame, I think, in a way, because Goss was was clearly the the star. I think he was involved in five of those goals, David. I think so. And you know, it's um, he, he's a class act. You can tell. And I, I look at it, the circumstances of him being being at Ibrox. So I, I I believe we don't have a kind of buy clause at the end of the loan period, and he is genuinely out on loan to get game experience with us. And you can tell that QPR have got very much. I finished the article there as a player already. He just needs the game time, and I hope I don't I don't know where we're going to be come April, May, June, but I certainly hope we can keep him because he looks like he is a player for the future. He's built as a modern midfielder. You know, he's not going to get pushed off the ball easily, but he's got a lovely silky feet, and he keeps the ball. He's one of these players that keeps the ball moving quickly, and that's what very often, as you as you quite point out in that first half, that was a weakness where we're doing it too slowly. And even that extra touch just allows a defence to funnel back and get into position yeah, and pick the tackles up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, keeping people off balance is a really good, important, very important part of the modern game. And Goss understands that, so he will try and move that ball quickly just to try and catch people out. And it's, um, you know, it's a joy to watch. What I thought was interesting, Stephen, was that he was driving our play on and, and our central midfielders are often asked to do it, but he does it in a different way. Unlike, say, Holt or, or Halliday's back now, but unlike those type of guys who try to drive us on through energy, because that's their game, he drives us on by passing, but it's not passing for the sake of it. It's not, you know, I'll tap it to a defender, get it back. I'll tap it to my midfield colleague and get it back. He doesn't do that. He's trying to move us on all the time. But... What I like about him is that he doesn't do it through Hollywood balls. He doesn't try to think, right, I'll play the perfect pass, John Joe Shelby style that will take out six men. And when it does, it's brilliant. But when it doesn't, you lose possession. He's constantly finding good angles, putting people in behind their man. So John benefited really, I thought, from it yesterday quite a lot. And it, it just, he, he would take out an air player or two with a pass each time and then get it back and then do the same again. So he was moving us forward constantly. And the only concern I have is that QPR have been quite open that it's a loan, he's coming back. And sometimes you can take that with a pinch of salt, which is what I'm kind of clinging to, in all honesty. But I have a feeling that based on his performances, based on the way things are in England in terms of money, that even if they change their mind or or aren't serious about it, I have a feeling that he's going to go for money that would be out of our, out of our reach. Yeah. 
we're in a we're in a difficulty. I think we've been here already with Emerson Hyman, John Terrell, players players like that. David, which is if they come to Ibrox and play well, then the the value is going to be inflated, and other play, other players are going to other other teams are going to pay attention to that, and are going to try and pick those players up. So if Goss comes and, and continues the kind of performances and skill and talent that he's exhibited already, then his value is going to QPR are going to want him back, and if they don't, other teams are going to have watched them and said, we can pick him up for a song. And if they can take advantage of the kind of financial weakness that Rangers are in at the moment, then, you know, I, I guess the only thing in our favour is that if, if he's made welcome and if he gets regular game time and if he likes it at Ibrox and he recognises and takes the club to his heart, as many have done before, then that puts us in the box seat to get him. But, you know, there's every chance that we'll end up in a kind of bidding war that we can't win. And that's just the reality of where we are financially and, and the fact of life. So... Uh, I wish we had him in the same position that we had, let's say, Jason Cummins, where we've got the option to buy at the end. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. Fingers crossed. No, well, that's the thing about a guy like him is that, look, in the championship, players of his stature, and by that I mean in the game, I'm not talking about him as an individual, but players of that kind of track record, if they're doing reasonably well, they move about even in the championship for five, six million pounds. And that's because there's so much money down there. And, of course, as we all know, that the price is inflated. And, of course, that's before you stick on the what they, they jokingly refer to as the English player tax, when, of course, players who are domestic there go for that bit more. So you, we, we can't realistically be paying five, six million pounds for them. It's just not feasible. And as you say, it's just an unfortunate thing. Um, a player we do have uh, is Greg Doherty, who we signed. And I really like this boy, Stephen. Now, he was quiet yesterday. He was playing. Initially, we started with a diamond with Goss at the base of it and him on the right. Oh. And I, I thought he struggled to get into the game. In the second half, he was moved inside one. Windass went to the right more. And I thought he had a great game from there on in. And we got a, a wee taste of what he's good at, which is driving runs from midfield, getting the ball and surging forward and you know pushing the side on. Uh, look, this boy's raw. He's really raw. You can see that, absolutely. But there is a player there, absolutely. And I think that if we don't do our, our thing that as a support we have been known to do, which is yep. you know ice pish after his maybe a slow start, if we can yeah. just relax a wee bit and say, let's judge this boy in a year, and I'm maybe being hopelessly naive here and I accept that, but if we can say, let's just see where we are in a year with this boy, see what his standard's like, I think we've got a diamond here, I really do, an uncut diamond right now, but one that with good coaching and development could turn it to be a real star, because he, he has something about him that a lot of midfielders of his age don't. Well, my and my starting point on it, David, is that we've actually invested a significant amount of money for him um, in a position that we don't really desperately need covered at the moment. Because if you have a look at the the, the Rangers roster in terms of midfield, we don't need an inverted commas Greg Doherty to the Rangers squad at the moment. But we've still fronted the money up because we realised that we want him to, and he wanted to come to Ibrox, and and it was that's a real kind of statement of faith by the director of football and the manager, uh, I think. And I agree with you in the sense that he needs to have the time to develop because clearly he has the physical ability, the strength, certainly the stamina, uh, tackling abilities, a decent passer to the ball as well. He has the potential to go on and make his mark in, in, in that team. Uh, and it's enough a crowded uh, berth to be fighting for at the moment, that Rangers midfield, because you know I, I make it that if we get Rossiter back, Doran's uh, as well, uh, Cranshaw I think is kind of out of the picture on the, ba- on the basis of age and uh, the fact that he looks like he's towing a caravan mm. but, but Ross Jack to come back as well, McCrory quite near being injured and Candace wasn't playing either yesterday so add all, <laughs> add all that into the mix and then all of a sudden you've got, you've got a significant number of players competing uh, for four three, four, maybe five midfield buffs depending on how the team sets up and even if you take McCrory out there and say he's a centre-half and that's where he's going to play, that's still a lot of cover and a lot of players. Jason Hall wasn't playing either yesterday, so you know we, we have an, embarrass- it's an embarrassment of riches there. And I hope that the, the manager can find the right formula there. Um, and you do wonder in terms of... Uh, I thought Murphy was, was excellent yesterday. Um, is there room for him and Candace in the same team? You know, Can we play two wide players in that midfield? Because... 
Uh, as you know, I'm a, a big fan of Daniel Kondiatis, and if Murphy continues to kind of develop and improve the way he has when he's, you know, now he seems to have settled in, then you know we've got some options there. I think you can because, look, I don't believe in modern football. You can play two midfielders and two wingers. Uh, I just don't think. I think teams can counter that too easily now by the extra man in the middle and then just doubling up. That allows, if you do that, that allows you to constantly double up in the fullback. You take the wingers out. And I don't believe that that's a viable tactic at any decently coached level of football anymore. I think your wide players rather than wingers, and I'll use the term advisedly there, your wide players, so long as they are what I would call functional wingers, which is they understand that, yes, we want them to beat a man and put a cross in, but they can't do the old-fashioned, well, I'm going to drift in and out of the game, I'm a winger, I'm mercurial, well, easy for me to say, I'm mercurial even, uh, I'm not someone who needs to be involved in the game for 90 minutes. I'm expected yep. just to provide minutes of brilliance. If you've got guys who accept, and Candias and Murphy both, but Candias definitely does, Murphy appears to, that what you do when we don't have the ball is almost as important as when we do. What you do when you see your fullback get into trouble, what you do is, you know, all of that kind of stuff. What you what you do when you see your opposition, have uh, your opposition player have the ball, if you've got guys that are willing to go, my shift here is 95, 96 minutes and I will go constantly and I will run until I can't run anymore. I'll be up and down that wing. I'll either be trying to beat that fullback or covering this one who's in my team. And if you've got players who will do that, I think you can go with two of them. So that's why I would say that I see Candace and Murphy as wide players as maybe opposed to wingers and all that connotates. Yep. Agreed. I, I, David. It's, I think that's that's fair comment. I think we we've got an embarrassment of riches, really, because both John, I agree with you. He was excellent yesterday, slaloming forward. He's obviously taken a page out of uh, Tav's book, and we've got so we've got two in the dirty commas fullbacks who are very much modern modern wide defenders in the sense that they will get forward, and that means that we've got options. I think wide. We just need to we just need to find a way to configure that team in a way that maximises the best of its resources. So, for example, you know, when if you had um, if you have the big target man who's very good in the air, the kind of Andy Carroll when he's fit job well, you know, you're going to try and get the ball into the area as much as you can early and high. But we don't have that. You know, none of none of the three forwards that we have are, are I think you know any good in the air really or wonderfully good in the air. So we need to be moving the ball forward and getting it in the deck and giving, try to give people decent possession and an opportunity to beat a defender in the deck. So if we can work that out, that's fine. But it's a happy position to be in that we've actually got options and uh, talent, you know, uh, at our disposal and people competing for places. And, you know, it's all, it, it looks very, very good in terms of the middle of the park and going forward in that last third. That's, that's good for me. I like, the way, I like the look of it. Doherty reminds me of, and this is a very, very early comparison and I'm not saying he's as good. Clearly, he's not, right? Might, hopefully, will one day be, but he's not right now. He reminds me of a young Ian Ferguson, the boy we got from St Mirren rather than what Fergie evolved into. He evolved into much more of a sitting midfielder. But when he first arrived, and I think that sometimes people forget this about Fergie, um, obviously on the on the Patreon site, we, we look at a lot of old games and cover a lot of old seasons and stuff. And one of the things that... that Fergie I don't think it's enough credit for is when he first arrived what a brilliant attacking midfielder he was and again he had that ability to surge past people he could get on the end of things he could put tackles in as well which we saw as his game evolved as maybe he, he, he lost a wee bit of pace and I've always maintained that, that Fergie kind of subsumed his game a wee bit to suit the needs of the side rather than to suit himself he was such a team player that got, he went no they need me to sit in and be the tackler I'll do that but he was capable of so much more. I remember, in fact, during an injury crisis in an old fun game, Walter played him up front and he scored in a 1-1 draw at home to at home to Celtic. But he, he reminds me of that as having... Look, for want of a better term, he's maybe not brilliant at anything yet, but he's good at most things. And I like yeah. to see that in a midfielder because it gives you the chance to be... And again, this is a big phrase, but I, I, I'm using it advisedly complete midfielder, a guy who can do a bit of everything in the engine room. Yeah. Yeah, he's bought he's bought for the future and he, he you know, he will look around that dressing room at the players that he's com- playing alongside and competing against for a birthday 
and they will know that Rangers at a time where we where money is at a premium, we've fronted a decent amount of money for him in a winter transfer window, and he will be assured that he has got a place in our football club in the future. He's a blue nose. The, the, the you know literally the the world's his oyster. He's got it at his feet now, and a real opportunity to make his mark there. Uh, and a team that's hopefully going to get that will be the grounding of that squad will be the team that goes on to challenge Celtic for the title. And that's, you know, that's that. When, it, when we get that 55 title, David, it's going to be a party like none, none has ever been before. No, oh, absolutely. It's uh, funny, I saw a thing last week that said uh, Philadelphia, um, after they won the Super Bowl, you know, that the, 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 the city was. Um, marred by celebrations and whatnot, and I thought, fuck, if they think that, wait till we win 55, you know. I personally will take out two villages, uh, a town and a city, and I, I would expect other Bears to do the same. If Scotland, near Britain, isn't left in a pile of smouldering, flaming rubble after 55, I'm going to be awfully disappointed in us. Oh, no, I'm, I'll be taking a month off my work. Yeah, well, I'm back in the drink um, just for that, just for that day <laughs> slash week. But uh, it's funny, actually. It reminded me of a story of when we were in Manchester, and the day after, of course, you know the the over the hangover, and Manchester looked like a war zone, and there were quite a few of us uh, travelling up the road that day. But before we went, we were in need of a curer which I think is understandable. So we were at this pub, and the weather was nice. People will remember it wasn't as nice as it had been the day before, but it was still nice. And this would be about half past 11, I would say, and we were outside of a Weatherspoons, um, because they would serve with, with colours, and that was pretty much all anybody had taken. And we were out in the beer garden, and one of the best insults I've ever heard, because we're out there, you know, drinking and... You know, just commiserating again, chatting really, because you need to remember that the the phone networks in Manchester all crashed, so we didn't really learn about what had gone on until the next morning. So we're all kind of chatting about it, and walking down the street, there's this kind of mank scally type, uh, you know, with the the Liam Gallagher haircut and the, you know, the 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 jacket kind of thing, and he shouts in his, uh, he goes. Uh, Aye, thanks to you, they've cancelled United's open-top bus tour if they win the Champions League next week. Thanks very much. And this guy just looks at him and goes, fuck off, you Coronation Street cunt. <laughs> Which <laughs> remains one of my favourite insults of all time. You know, just just a magnificent bit of off-the-cuff work there from that bear. So if you were the bear who who referred to him, but, and, and that, that was it, you know, just... Just sum that fuck off, you Coronation Street cunt. Super bit of business. Now, um, moving on, Stephen. Just just before we we, we leave the, the air game and look forward to the next round, um, Ayr's owner is an expat uh, called Lachlan Cameron, and he's you know one of these people that invests in in Air, I think you know hometown club, and uh, I believe he's lived in in the US for a number of years now. He's got the accent to prove it. Um, but it seems a relatively decent sort, and from from all that's been said about by the townspeople and about him, he's he's not an evil owner. So I don't want to paint him in that light. Um, he sent a tweet yesterday saying, um, "You know, in America, I'm in the US, can't wait watching it in a Huns bar in LA." And it got me thinking because with a name like Lachlan Cameron. He's not a member of the diaspora, as I think is pretty self-evident. Yeah, it's it's shall we say a name that lends itself towards the stauncher side of the community. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And he's going to watch the game in a Rangers bar. So clearly, this is not a guy who hates slash fears Rangers fans. And people jumped on it. I understand why, because of the, the use of the term hun, and say, well, he's a bigot. I don't think he is, genuinely, because all experiences of people I know who've had experiences with him would suggest that not only is he not a bigot, if he does have sympathies, they would lean towards us. So yeah. it's the casual use of it that I think is more concerning. Now, over the last few years... 
there's certain words that we've been told are absolutely no-no. And I think that most sensible Rangers fans have absolutely accepted that. And there are words that we just don't use. I, there are Celtic fans I know who listen to this show hoping to hear, so they can be offended, hoping to hear um, the F word or, you know, the one that rhymes with Hague. Uh, and, and they're not words that we use. But it's this inability to then grant parity back the way to an offensive word for Rangers fans that I find... I'll be honest, even a little bit troubling. And as I say, the casual use of it by fans of other teams. And the way that it's, well, we, we use it to describe just Rangers, it's not. Well, that's not true. Celtic fans use it to describe hearts. They, they call yeah. Kilmarnock mini Huns. There's a, a reason well, that they use that. Yeah. And because other people use the term for us, um, genuinely meaning it, as well, I'm only referring to Rangers fans, and this is a term I believe is is used for them. It doesn't make it less offensive. It's a bit like using the N word and saying, "Well, you know, I'm using it in this context." It doesn't matter. You can't use it, right? Just, just don't. And I think we've got that across with certain words, but there doesn't seem to be the clamour to get it across when it's a word that Rangers fans find offensive. Am I being too sensitive, or is this a genuine issue? Well, I think you and I are on exactly the same page, David, and I've been for a decade and a half in respect to this, and you you remember that it was a major campaigning front for us in terms of the use of sectarian language to describe not just Celtic fans, Rangers fans, Hibs fans, Hearts fans. Just just if we're going to if we're going to get rid of sectarian language, let's get rid of it, all of it. What doesn't and isn't going to be acceptable to Rangers fans is that everybody else is allowed to describe us using a sectarian and the hun, the word hun is a sectarian term for Protestant. You just have to wander around parts of inner Belfast and you'll see the K-A-H up in the walls, you know, and, and conflict areas and areas where, where the dividing walls are, kill all Huns, Huns being Protestant, as you've said, Hearts fans because of their, you know, previously kind of Protestant heritage, you know, Huns without a bus there or the mini Huns, it's clearly a sectarian term. It's a sectarian term for Protestant. Rangers fans are kind of ascribed and given that. So on that basis, it shouldn't be used by people in exactly the same word, in exactly the same way that you don't have the racial epithets for, for African-Caribbean people or people from, from West Asia or whatever part of the world they are. You know, there's a whole lexicon, a whole lexicography there that isn't used because it's offensive. And it's for the community the word is used about, David, to determine whether that's acceptable or not. Correct. It's not okay. It's not okay for the Stuart Cosgroves of this world to say it's just a bit of banter, it's a laugh, it's not meant in a sectarian way. You don't get to decide that. Anybody that calls me a hun is going to get a sore jaw. It's not acceptable. And I wouldn't use the F word. I wouldn't go up to someone who's a Celtic fan, a Roman Catholic, or what have you, and use the sectarian terms that, that, that are verboten. And that's fine. We should not be allowed to use those kind of that, that language about it. But we need to have parity of esteem. I, I, I understand people don't like the fact that Rangers fans sing a national anthem and are unionists and they've got union flags and all the rest of it. And I understand people don't like that. Hard lines. There's lots of things I don't like either. That does not give you the right to use the H word about me. It, it is the equivalent. I had the, I had the conversation with our friend Mark Dingwall many, many years ago and Mark said something that stuck with me and this is, this is years ago, David, maybe two decades ago. He says, as far as the Celtic fans are concerned, in terms of their use of the word hunt, it's their N-word for us. And it is, and it's the way it's used that I think determines the problem for it. It should be verboten and we need parity of esteem. I think you've nailed it there that if we are told we can't use certain words and the F word's a case in point that Rangers fans I did as well for a while at the Trust although I've kind of you know, stopped doing so because we would say oh no you look at a dictionary definition and it means this and it means Irish rebel fighter and, and all the rest of it but that wasn't that wasn't I had used that word and it wasn't used in that context by me shall I say and that was why when, when people said well we find this offensive in our community I thought right okay I get that but then, as you say, it goes both ways. It goes the other way that we say, well, we actually find this word offensive. And it's the hypocrisy and the double standard because it's like, we want you to stop using this word because we find it offensive. And we say, okay, fair enough. We'd like you to stop using this word because we find it offensive. No, fuck yous. 
and that I think illustrates the situation. And what it's doing is, as this tweet, as I say, I don't think came from a committed Rangers hater. I don't think came from a bigot. It came from a guy who simply didn't know any better. He's heard this word bandied about. He doesn't understand the context of it. But nobody is going to challenge him on the context of it because it's about Rangers fans. And you can say what you like about Rangers fans because that's the current political ideology in Scotland. Yeah, it's exactly it. You know, if we're going to be even-handed about it, if we're going to tackle offensive behaviour, then we're going to have to start to have adult conversations about it. And if, David, we can get to a situation where the, where the, the, the two major communities in Northern Ireland can work together in government and be accommodated and be at peace with each other and be on a journey that way, then it's absolutely beyond my comprehension that we can't have some of the same movement amongst the primarily football-related community in Scotland. We can, we can have that, but a key part of that is parity of esteem. It has to be a level playing field. It has to be decent treatment for everybody and not, well, it's all right to say what you like about the orange hun bastards. That's just not acceptable. And it's never going to make any progress because our more recalcitrant uh, supporters, let's, let's say, who... I'm interested in kind of moving from being enemies, hatred to towards being rivals. Uh, are going to say, well, you know, we're not treated with any respect, so screw them. Yeah, and I can understand that. It makes it really, really hard for the peacemakers and the bridge builders to do anything. We can, it's, a, it's an absolutely essential first step. It's just an adult conversation and just a kind of, I don't like you, but I understand that, you know, unless the intent is to offend. Which and if is. they want to offend us, then they're going to be right there about it, and we'll never have any peace and any quiet. And our lot will still continue to use the kind of language that people object to, and there'll, and there'll be a middle finger extended to anybody that doesn't like it, um, and that'll be their own their own doing. People have said to me, you know, why don't you address certain songs on the show? And there's certain songs that our support sing, our away support in particular, that I don't particularly like. But one, I don't like criticising the away support. 120 sellouts in a row, magnificent. And two. I don't like the argument which comes up a lot, which is, well, we need to get our own house in order first. So what you're saying is, is that until we have absolutely eradicated it 100% from our support, because I think the vast, vast majority of our fans, overwhelming majority of our fans, um, behave in, in, in a manner that, that would certainly pass any any test then you're telling me that we have to be 100% pure and clean before we can object to any treatment back the way. And I don't agree with that. I just don't believe that that is how it works. I don't think it's fair that Celtic fans and other opposition fans get a free pass up until the day comes when Rangers fans basically don't do anything that ever offends anybody. For the simple fact is they will always find something we do that offends them. We've been told we are the people of sectarian. We've been told the bouncy is sectarian for fuck's sake. So the idea that they've got a free pass on behaving like human beings up until every single Rangers fan goes there and sings the wheels in the bus go round and round, I just find ridiculous. Yeah, they'd find a sectarian connotation in the bus. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if you want to be offended... David, then I would, I would suggest to you that, that going to a football match is probably the ideal place to go. Uh, because in, in my time as a football fan, I'm in my mid-50s, I've heard songs about Auschwitz. I have heard songs about the Munich air disaster, about the Hills, the death at Hillsborough, about Harold Shipman, about the death of Bill Shankly, and all sorts of, of grossly offensive stuff about race, religion, and all the rest of it. Now, if we want to tackle that, Let's have that adult conversation about what is acceptable and what isn't. Because that was the whole problem, I think, with the offensive behaviour at Football Act, because it was primarily designed, as you and I know, it was aimed at one support in particular, mm. primarily driven by the fans of another team in the East End of Glasgow who decided that this would be a good opportunity in terms of having their hands on the political lever to make it very, very difficult for Rangers fans to think anything. You know. So, that's the problem. And that need, that's what needs to be tackled. No, totally agree. And I, I just think that it's something that gets a wee bit swept in the carpet in the rush for 
chastising factors for Rangers fans to be found and uh, that's another one before we leave Somerset Park and, and look at the draw Stephen and, uh, and we'll wrap up this week with both of these uh, I want to tell you about something I saw and it'll be in the picture this week folks uh, the description of the pod um, I'm in the queue at the pie stall yesterday and yep. you know that the, the, there's a famous pie in Ayrshire run by Ayr's rival club um, Kilmarnock um, yep. and it has become over the years a very famous you know, football delicacy, the Kelly pie. So the air equivalent, I'm wondering what it might be. And it turns out it's a steak and ale pie, but I didn't try it. And the reason I didn't try it, Stevie, is because it said on the wall, as the picture will show, try the famous Bobby pie. (laughs) I am not eating a Bobby pie. First of all, it sounds rude. Secondly, what the fuck is in it? And thirdly, if something kind of creamy and greasy comes out of you, I'm going to worry. Listen, I mean, your average sausage is known by many in the butcher's trade as a surprise package because if anybody knew what was actually in them, it would be a surprise if another one was ever eaten. Well, don't openly, don't openly say, you know, they they don't, you you don't see somebody say, right, buy my kind of lips and beaks and arseholes hot dog. So, you know, Bobby Pie is just no air. You're going to have to go go back to the drawing board and the marketing front. Now, Steve, sorry. um, John Wayne Bobber, it's his family originally That might be where it originated from, you know. Uh, A a, a Bobby Pie? Uh, No, no, thank you. I'm steering clear of that. I had a Mars bar. Now, um, Falkirk at home, next round of the cup. And... Pretty good draw. I'm happy with that. A home draw is the most important thing. Although, is it for us, given our home form? (laughs) Well, that's... Sorry, a home draw is the best thing to have, it says here. Yes, normally, yes. I was watching an interview with Jason Cummins yesterday, and when I could make any sense of what he was saying, he was basically saying that we wanted a home draw, and I think that's to our advantage. There's always... You know, as, as I think... Somerset Park showed yesterday. There's all you want to take the surface and some and any of the kind of external factors out of it, uh, and and avoid. Let's say having to go to a place like uh, Titan Castle, for example, which if you lose the first goal there and the crowd get involved, that becomes a very difficult tie to win. So no, I'm happy. I'm happy both with the draw and with the fact that we're at Ibrox. No, looking looking forward to it very much. Okay, folks, uh, that's pretty much it from us this week. All that remains for me to do is to thank our executive producers in London, Mr. Mike Lee and Mr. Paul Myers, to tell you if you like Heart and Hand Rangers podcast, the Monday show, as this one is, will always be here, as will our Thursday Heart and Hand Extra. But if you go to our Patreon site, which is uh, www.patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash heart and hand, you will find tons and tons of extra content. At least three shows a day go up there, and we've got all sorts of things. We've got the advocate years, we've got the millennial bears looking back at the 2000s, we've got overseas bears, a new show that's just started today, we've got the greatest Rangers 11, we've got debate shows, we've got Big Scott talking nonsense about foreign leagues, you name it, it's there. Go and try it, it's only one ninety nine per month, over 2,000 people subscribed as I write this and uh, it's going from strength to strength so please pop along and see us Stephen, thank you very much for joining me today More than welcome David there is one thing that I do want you to remember and I want everybody else who's listening to this show to remember and that is that we are the people My name's David Edgar I'll talk to you again on Thursday Cheers, bye Network.